Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore, and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area to join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus our Savior walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed. Exodus 5 and 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, Let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. You know, I I bet this was quite a meeting here. To think that Moses approached Pharaoh, the mightiest man of the day, king of Egypt, pretty much the superpower of the world at that time, And considering Moses' not-so-good past with Egypt, when everybody that lived there at some point wanted to kill him, and now he's there, and he's talking to this this pharaoh now, he's right there face-to-face with the king himself. Now, I'm sure God did a lot of things to pull this meeting off. After all, he did order Moses to go out and do it, right? It's kind of like if I had a story where I had to go speak directly to the President of the United States, and the next chapter, suddenly I'm standing in the White House talking to the President. Something had to happen from the time that God told me to do it to the time when I showed up. So there was a lot of things that had to go down to get Moses all the way into seeing Pharaoh face to face. There was a lot of things that went down. You know, it's quite easy for us to miss little things like this, to jump from one part of Scripture to another and not think what happened between. What I wanted to point out is how this meeting here was immediately and entirely orchestrated by God to happen. Because it's what God wanted to happen. Uh, what we can see out of this is that when God tells you to do something, no matter how big it seems, no matter how impossible a task it might look, all you have to say is, here I am. Here I am, Lord. You don't have to get yourself all tied up in a knot with how you're going to get it done. You ain't doing it. God does it. God will open and shut all doors. All you got to do is walk through them. All you got to do is walk through them. Well, well, that sounds pretty easy there, Ray. Sounds pretty simple. Well, yeah, it is. We're the ones who complicate everything, don't we? We're the ones that look at stuff and go, oh, no, that's too hard. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's no big massive formula to this. When God says go, then go. There will be times you might be called to go on a mission trip. You might be called to move somewhere. Or you'll encounter some kind of a gigantic expense. As Dove likes to say, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. He'll pay for it. He'll enable it. 
He'll straighten it. He'll raise it. He'll turn it. He'll bring it. He'll deal it. He'll heal it. (laughs) When he says go, go, right? Put your trust in God, not yourself. The enormity of the task in front of you ain't near as big as the power of Jesus that's in you. So when you get your marching orders from God, don't worry about how it'll get done. You just get to marching and do what God tells you to do. I had no idea how I was going to end up in ministry those years ago. God just said, you're going to go to ministry. And I didn't know what to do but the first step. But once I took the first step, he started to show me the second step. So that's what Moses and Aaron are doing here in Exodus 5. And they're both in their 80s. These guys are in their 80s. And look at them go. They confidently faced Pharaoh. This ain't no small thing because the people of Egypt, they considered Pharaoh to be a literal and physical god. And for these two 80-somethings to tell this guy who considered himself to be a god that he should let the people go, then if they're doing that, where do we get our excuses from? These 80-somethings are out there telling him, hey, let these people go. I know people in their 20s who have been called by God to do much simpler things, and they've got reasons why they can't do it. Moses and Aaron are 80, and they're telling Pharaoh that they want to leave so that they can go worship somebody else besides him who thinks he's a god. How do you think this confrontation is about to go now? Hello, you who thinks you're a god. We're going to go worship somebody else. Let these people go. I don't think Pharaoh is going to react to this too nicely. They're basically saying, you're not a god, but we want to leave in three days to go worship the real one. He ain't going to take us well. Well, Pharaoh had several reactions. First, he declared that Israel's God had no authority whatsoever, since he believed nobody was above himself. If you notice, he said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I don't know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. One thing to notice in Pharaoh's response is that he had no concern, not just for Israel's God, but he didn't have any concern for the Israelite people either. He would not let them practice their beliefs. His attitude was one of an oppressive bully. Now, he kind of thought like this, y'all don't agree with me, so I'm going to push you around because you don't agree with how I think. Hello, do we see that out there? Isn't that same thing going on? Oh man, you better believe it is. Pharaoh was more concerned about exalting himself, and so he wanted his labor projects to keep going so that the Israelites will build more cities for him, more grand things for him. You've been, you may have seen those pictures. He wanted to make bricks. You've seen the pyramids. I mean, that stuff's still standing out there. He, he, that's what he wanted. Uh, you know, grand stuff for me. And so what does God say about those who exalt themselves? Matthew 20 through 12. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Pharaoh has a humbling coming. What's interesting is that the past Pharaoh of Exodus 1, that if we remember back, he wanted to exterminate the Israelites. But this Pharaoh here in Exodus 5, 40 years later, he saw the Israelites as a workforce benefit. He wanted to keep them around. If Moses had asked the Pharaoh of Exodus 1 to let the people go, he probably would have said, yes, please take every Israelite you can find. Please get them out of here. It was a very different time, different Pharaoh. Now, if you recall this Pharaoh 40 years ago, as he saw them differently, he saw the Israelites as more of a nuisance than anything because because they outnumbered the Egyptians in their own country. He was afraid if war broke out that all these Israelites would get together with their foe and become an enemy. They would have an internal problem. 
And so this was a much different scenario here that Moses was with now 40 years ago. But it makes you think, my, how times change, right? The Pharaoh then wasn't the same Pharaoh here in Exodus 5. It's a different guy, different mindset, different set of circumstances. And it all plays right into God's will. But you know what? God never changes. He's always the same. And I take great comfort in that. Exodus 5 and 5. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let them not regard false words. Now you remember in the last chapter when God said he would harden Pharaoh's heart? Boy, you can sure see it happening right now, can't you? His heart has been hardened by God. Verse 6 says, The same day, meaning Pharaoh ordered much harder work on the people immediately. He made it worse. Pharaoh's heart did not progressively harden over time. God hardened his heart very, very quickly. And so now Pharaoh's orders went into immediate effect to make the burden of the Israelites more oppressed. Now, Pharaoh's opinion here is that the people in bondage, they dream of freedom only when they have enough time to do it. Well, the reason you're dreaming of freedom is because you've got time to do it. That's why he said they're idle. So he figures since if they had a lot of idle time, then that idle time should be filled up with more work so they won't sit around and think of other things to do, such as going out to worship their God. So he orders the Israelites, go get your own straw, but maintain the same quota of brick making that you have done before. Now, straw was mixed with clay and sand because it became like a bonding agent, and it also made the clay more durable, resulting in stronger bricks. Now, any kind of managerial idiot knows that you cannot ask the people to go get their own straw and maintain the same quota. It just doesn't work, right? Now, I can imagine Pharaoh's own men, the ones who'd been out in the field watching the work, I'm sure when they heard this order, they thought, this is crazy. This can't happen. It's not going to work. You've had people tell you double up your work and still get the same stuff done in the same amount of time. You're like, how in the world am I supposed to do that? But they regarded Pharaoh as a god, and they had no inclination to disobey Pharaoh's order. Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He thinks he's a god. He thinks he knows everything. Increase the workload. They'll get it done. Oh, the reason they're not getting it done is they're idle. The reason they want to worship their god is because they have too much time. Fill their time up. He thinks he knows it all. Ever been around a know-it-all? I used to be one of those, and God ended up putting me to work with a fella that was exactly like me, and he irritated me to death. And God said, that used to be you. And then I realized, wow, I used to bother some people that bad. Oh, my goodness. But those who think they know everything, like Pharaoh here, they're tremendously deceived. People who are deceived, they don't make any sense. You ever try to explain something to somebody that's deceived? You can't. It doesn't work. It's because they think they know better than everyone, even better than God does. And like Pharaoh here, just like Pharaoh, those of you who do not regard the Lord as master of your life, then you're allowing something else to take his place. It might be money. It could be pride. Maybe it's drugs. I've seen girls put boyfriends above God. Perhaps you have set yourself up as your own God, considering yourself to be the greatest thing that there is. And nobody knows better 
than you. You know it all, and nobody can tell you otherwise. If you refuse to hear about repentance, you won't let go of your sinful ways, then you've set yourself up as your own God, and you are deceived, just like old Pharaoh here. And who can talk to you when you're like that? Nothing can make enough sense to change you. That means God has to do all the changing. This has to be God's job to do all all on his own. What comes along with being deceived? Being deceived, what comes behind it? A bunch of dumb decisions. Lots of dumb decisions. I've made plenty of those. Bad decisions. And there's no way the Israelites are going to keep up with this workload. And it seems the only one that doesn't realize it really is Pharaoh. And so Exodus 5 and 10. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourselves straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick, both yesterday and today, as before? Have you ever had a bad day where nothing you did was ever good enough? (laughs) I know you have. I see everybody smiling and some people trying not to smile. Because maybe you're going through it right now. Your very best just never was good enough. And it, it didn't do nothing but make everybody mad. i got something for you here. Don't lose your faith. Don't lose your faith in God. Remember, He's your deliverer. These Israelite officers, it says... They were beaten for not making the quota, but they had the knowledge that God was about to pull them out of Egypt. To think that for 400 years they had been under severe oppression, and now the word has come to them that the Lord their God is about to lead them out. They were this close to being taken out of there. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh slams the hammer down on top of them. Friends, in this world that we live in, times are getting hard. Times are getting tough. I know you see it out there. The things that's going on. People are running ten different kinds of crazy. And God's people are facing the heaviest oppression that there is out there. There are sinful groups of people that try to dress it up like they're the ones under oppression. No, they're not. Don't buy into that. There is no people that is more harshly mistreated, persecuted, insulted, and attacked as God's people are. But friends, now please hear me. Hear this point. I'm talking about our own hammer coming down, but listen to this. Take hold of the faith that God has given you. I want to encourage you to be strong in Jesus because it's the vision of Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom to make authentic disciples of Messiah Jesus in preparation of what? His glorious second coming. Our deliverer, Messiah Jesus, is just about to come and take us out of here. It got hard on Israel right before their deliverance, and now it's getting hard on us too. Why? Because we're about to be delivered out of here by Messiah Jesus. You ever think of that? This is cool. I don't understand why so many people insist on remaining in a state of terror over what's going on out there in the world. Why they stay so freaked out all the time. Guys, we're about to be taken out of here. we got to drop the fear and live and joy the Lord. Hang on just a little while longer. Just a little 
while longer. Yes, it's getting tough. The workload's getting heavier. I know it. But our deliverer's coming. Our deliverer, Jesus, is coming. He said he's going to get us out of here. I promise you, in the name of Jesus, he's about to come and get us. My Lord Jesus is coming to get me. Hallelujah. And we're all going to be out of here. So however bad times might get, turn that frown upside down. Jesus is coming for his people. So glad of that. You know, right now is a good time to get right with Jesus. If you're not right with him, if you've been trying to be the Lord of your own life, right now is a very good time to repent and get right with the Lord God of Israel and get under Jesus' authority, making him Lord of your life. He promised to get Israel out of Egypt, and he did. He's also promised to get us out of this sin-infected world, and he will. Don't you want to go? I want you to come along with the rest of us. So I think it's time to get right with Jesus. He's your only right out of here. Let's get right with Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Deliverer. And so now Israel knows that God is about to take them out of the land of Egypt, and the workload increases upon them. And so what do they do about it? As we read in Exodus 5.15, Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants. And they say to us, Make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. And so because of the heavier oppression here, the Israelite foreman went to Pharaoh to complain about this unreasonable demand. And their complaints produced not one good thing. Pharaoh just called them lazy and sent them back out. Now remember, the Israelites knew that the Lord was about to deliver them out of Egypt because Moses had told them so. And he also proved it to them with the rod. He threw on the ground, became a snake. God sent him with signs to authenticate his message, right? So they should have thought to themselves, I mean, you would think that they would think to themselves, okay, God's just about to move us out of here, so this extra work shouldn't be no big deal. Yeah, they're increasing the workload, but God's just about to take us out of here. I mean, it just stands to reason to think that way, right? But the Israelites, they were very entrenched in Egyptian society. After 400 years, they had become so engraved with their culture, their way of thinking, So now having the promise of God that he was about to take them out of Egypt, when their workload got heavier, who did they go to for help? Did they go to the Lord God about it? No. Who'd they go to? They went to Pharaoh. They went to Pharaoh. They shouldn't have gone to Pharaoh. Since God was about to take them out of Egypt, why go to Pharaoh at all? You see, they were so Egyptianized. That's the way they did it all this time. And I've got to tell you, most, most Christians today are so Americanized that when they call for help, they don't call for help on, from the God of Israel. They ignore God, and they run right straight to Pharaoh, a false god. That's the picture here, the false god of their culture. And the Pharaoh of Americanized Christians is usually money. There's your false god, money. 
Money or something that it buys. When things get hard, what do Americans do? Oh, God, please bless me with more money so I can fix my problems. God, please give me more money so I can finally have happiness in my life. That's the problem with prosperity preaching. It ain't biblical and it ain't God. This is how new Americanized Christians think. And so many people have been living in this culture for so long that anytime they need to call out for help, they do just like the Israelite foremen do. They skip God Almighty and they go straight to their society's false God for answers. So it's not for us to point at the Israelites and go, oh, shame on y'all for doing that. We do it. 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, which is a trap, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We have got to all find a point in our lives where we break from following culture to following Messiah Jesus. We can't follow our culture anymore. Look at it out there. You want to go that way? I don't, and I ain't going that way. If you want to go that way, you're going by yourself. You ain't going with me. I'm not saying hate America. I'm not saying give up your patriotism. What I am saying is that for many people, they have replaced God with the sinful desires of this world. James 1 says to keep yourself unspotted from the world. That means don't think like they do. Don't act like they do. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Do what He says. Notice in 1 Timothy, he says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil that some have strayed from the faith. It means they left. They were in the faith for a time. They walked out. You know, considering blessing to always be money does not draw you closer to God. It takes you away from Him. And the sooner we in America realize this, I think the better off we'll be. According to God's Word, the better off we'll be. It takes you from God. Now, I've had people pressure me with their money, saying that this ministry will grow if I will just utilize their money the way they want me to. That will not grow this ministry. It will kill it. This ministry will grow if we obey and glorify the Lord. The Lord told me in prayer, He may not have told everybody in every ministry, but He told me in this one, that in order to grow this ministry, we have to be looking for Messiah Jesus, and we have to be out there telling the rest of the world the gospel message. We have to be telling the world the gospel message. And money has not got one cotton-picking thing to do with it. Thanks for listening today, and please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations to Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, watchtherefore.tv, and mail, Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now at 713 713- 624-0943 that's 713-624-0943 keep watching for Messiah Jesus 
This is John Peake with Israeli Self-Defense and Fitness. We are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers. We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training. Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.